Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Uh, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network radio mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. You can also give us feedback, if you like, at VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com. You go on the website, and you could comment on any of our programming, not just Frontline with Joe and Joe. And also, if you would be so kind, you could support Joe and I on social media. Our website is TheFrontlineTV.com, TheFrontlineTV.com, or you could catch us on YouTube, uh, where you you can uh, find us at uh, the Frontline TV, excuse me, the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Deacon Ed Schoner. And we are going to be talking about the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. And, you know, Joe and I feel that this is a very important topic. You're going to understand why in the course of the conversation. Uh, now, most of you out there probably are not familiar with Deacon Ed, so uh, I will give a brief uh, bio and introduction. Deacon Ed Schoner was ordained a permanent deacon in 2004 and serves at St. Peter's Cathedral in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Deacon Ed is a founding member of the Association of Catholic Health Ministers and the Catholic Institute of Mental Health Ministry at the University of San Diego. He also serves on the Council of Mental Illness uh, for the National Catholic Partnership on Disability and on the Board of Pathways to Promise, an interfaith cooperative that facilitates the faith community's work in reaching out to those with mental illnesses and their families. Uh, Deacon Ed, along with Bishop John Dolan of San Diego, is co-author of the books Responding to Suicide, a Pastoral Handbook for Catholic Leaders, and When a Loved One Dies by Suicide, available at Ave Maria Press. Uh, he, along with the family and friends, founded the Katie Foundation after his daughter Kathleen died by suicide in 2016. Katie's obituary, obituary went viral because it spoke to the needs and concerns of people who live with mental illness. Deacon Ed lives with his family in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Deacon Ed Schoner, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hi, Joe and Joe. Good to meet you. Good to be with you. Thank you for being with us, Deacon. Uh, Deacon Ed, would you uh, lead us in prayer before we go into the uh, conversation? Sure. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all powerful and ever-living God, thank you for this time that we have together. We ask you to open our hearts and open our minds to see that your presence in the lives of people who struggle with mental health disorders and mental illnesses and to allow us to be your hands and your loving arms and comfort them and guiding them. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, as I've shared with Deacon Ed, he's from the Electric City. I love it. I love it. I have a tie to Scranton. I went to the University of Scranton from 88 to 92. Um, some fond memories. Uh, it's definitely uh, a, a unique place. Um, I have to say, Deacon Ed, I spent a lot of time in basements, uh, low basements, <laughs> drinking kegs, going, uh, you know, around yeah. the city. A lot of good times, though. Yes, Scranton's a great place. Home of the office. That's the absolutely claim. claim absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, before we get into the subject at hand, I always like to ask these questions about uh, our guests who are in the clergy. I mean, you're a deacon. How did you find your call? Um, you know, because it's a unique uh, ministry in the church. It's definitely a needed one. It's it's biblical. I mean, uh, yes. and uh, I think it's something that's very beautiful. How did you hear God's call and to serve as a deacon in the Catholic Church? Well, <laughs> I guess uh, 
like we like to say in Scranton, I'm, I'm kind of thick-headed. So I guess my call was very direct. I mean, my, my pastor at the parish, John, Father John LaFera, suggested I do it. Uh, so it was, uh, it was very direct. I was very involved in the parish, my wife and myself and our entire family uh, involved in various activities throughout the parish and, uh, and charitable activities. So uh, Father John suggested I, I do this. So I started to explore it and took the classes and did all the dis- discernment and spiritual direction. And I'm thrilled I did. I was a young man when I started. I was in my uh, uh, early 40s when I started. I've been ordained now uh, uh, 14 years, 15 years, boy, time goes by. And uh, uh, so now I'm in my mid 60s. I'm glad I did. It's it did it. It's, uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey, as they say. Amen. Amen. Like you said, it's beautiful work. I mean, you are the hands. We're all Christ's hands and feet in the world, but deacons specifically uh, serve. Um, And it's something that's much needed. I think people should uh, be open to that call and discern it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Deacons have a particular charism, to use a churchy word, uh, a call to serve the, the, the poor, the outcast, those who feel alone and feel left behind by the church. That's a particular call of a deacon. And uh, and, th- and that's what we respond to. You said you'll see that not just in me, but in almost every deacon you encounter. We have this deep desire to do this. I don't know where it comes from, uh, but I assume it comes from the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's, it's something that we're called to do and, and we're, we're thrilled to be able to do it. Amen. I'm, I'm actually I'm pretty impressed with the with the um the, the permanent diaconate because you're married, you know, you have you have, you have you have a family and and but now you have responsibilities and, and you know duties and responsibilities to the church to your parish and everything else, uh, without knowing that can't be easy, <laughs> you know. Like, well, you're absolutely right, Joe. That gives us a unique perspective that maybe the other members of the clergy don't have. We have, we know the, the joys and, and the difficulties of a family life, and we can bring those joys and difficulties and that perspective into the church. But also as deacons, we also are living in families and living in jobs and living out in the world. And we also are called to bring uh, the presence of the church uh, through our uh, ministry into our jobs and into our uh, family life in, in our own unique way. We're not out there proselytizing and, you know, shouting, uh, you know, holding banners or anything like that. But people know we're deacons. They know that we're associated with the church and we're, we're a presence in, in the business world and in our, our lives in general, a unique presence. Uh, so it's a true gift that the Lord's given to us to be able to do that. It's not always easy. You're absolutely right. It's not always easy, as you can imagine. But uh, it's something that, um, that we're thrilled to be able to do. So, uh, so I, I, let's get to the subject at hand. I mean, mental illness, I think, is something that is plaguing America uh, right now. Um, and, and basically, we're here to talk about the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Um, this, is, this was recently formed. Could you tell our audience a little bit about the genesis of that organization? Yeah, the, the genesis of the organization, uh, for me personally, at least, uh, uh, revolves around my daughter, Katie, and the response to her obituary. You mentioned in, in the intro there where you're going through my bio, uh, my daughter, Katie, a beautiful young woman, um, uh, had bipolar disorder, which came on when she was in her late teens. And a bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. It's an illness. And uh, her brain would at times flip into a, a state of what's called mania where she would lose touch with reality occasionally. Didn't happen very often, but it happened a couple of times in her life. But it also would, on the downside, would flip into this extreme depression, irrational depression that could be triggered by who knows what. And she would think that she was the most horrible person in the world, that she was useless and worthless, and that uh, she would fall into this deep, dark black hole. I'd be with her. She'd be fine one day, and the next day, it'd be like she fell off the edge of a cliff. Uh, She used to, for example, love to read. And um, when she'd get into this depression, she couldn't read a sentence. Um, And uh, so she had this terrible illness. Uh, And... She took it very seriously. We had, uh, she went to all the doctors, psychiatrists, and she led a good life for about 11 years with with medical care and uh, therapy. Uh, She was able for the most part for it to be kept under control, but these illnesses are relentless. And uh, sadly, she died by suicide in August of 2016. I'm sure it was an impulsive act on a a particular morning that she died by by suicide. Uh, But since, and after she died, you know, that night, you guys can imagine, I I 
uh, as a father, one of the oh. first things I wanted to do was to protect my daughter. You know, and I tell you, the other thing before I get into this little story, I, for any of us parents who live with a child that has a serious mental illness like this, um, this is a burden that everyone bears. It's, it's, a, it's in the back of our minds that suicide could happen. It's it's just a reality of clinical depression, uh, uh, borderline personality disorder, all of these sort of disorders. It's always in the back of your mind, bipolar disorder, that this could happen. So we, of course, did not know that Katie was going to die on that particular day. But the, the fact that she died by suicide was uh, not totally unexpected. It was always a worry that we had. Uh, so the day she died, uh, my I, of course, wanted to protect my little daughter as best I could. So uh, just a couple hours after she died, I wrote obituary, the short obituary. Uh, my wife was wondering what I was doing because we found out that she died around midnight and three or four in the morning. I'm sitting at the computer writing this very short obituary. But I just wanted to explain to my uh, neighbor, our neighbors and friends and parishioners here in Scranton what happened and, and why she died, but that she was not defined by her mental illness or not defined by the, how she died, that she was a beautiful creation of God made in the image and likeness of God and to, uh, to remember her that way and to... Uh, uh, and that was the point. So that there wouldn't be any gossiping or hush talk about what happened. We were just very open and upfront about what happened. And we put this short uh, obituary in our, our Scranton uh, newspaper. Uh, what happened next was totally unexpected. And uh, to the day I die, and I'll find out the day I die if I'm right on this, but to the day I die, I swear it was the uh, God using this. And, you know, one, it's just one small thing, but God using this obituary to let people that live with a mental illness and have lost loved ones to suicide to know that his mercy pours out upon them. This, this obituary went viral. And, uh, you know, neither Katie or I are celebrities. So it went viral and apparently spoke to the uh, the needs and the hopes and the fears of people that live with mental illnesses. Um, and uh, it used first person language. I think the thing I heard most from people about it was is that we talked about how uh, people so often say, um, he's a schizophrenic or he's so bipolar or something, or she's so bipolar or something like that. And, and, and no, no, we don't say that about people that have cancer. We don't say their cancer or their heart disease. Katie had an illness called bipolar disorder. Or your friend might have an illness called schizophrenia, but they're not the, uh, the illness themselves uh, to use what's called first person language. And that seemed to be what we uh, resonated most with people that they live in this stigma. They live in this discrimination where they're defined by their illness and people forget they're human beings and they forget they have names. Uh, and uh, that's what we do in the church. We get them back their names. We see them as human beings that are living with these terribly difficult illnesses and um, want to open up the doors of the church to support them and be compassionate with them. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosanello, and we are way in the breach, brothers and sisters, with Deacon Ed Schoner, talking about a very important topic, and one that I don't think, like you said, Deacon, or, or I, 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 what I was getting from what you said is like, people don't like to talk about, I think, you know, mental illness, um, and and it's good, and a lot of, I, I'm going to, because we're going to get into it now, I, I I was not aware that there was an association of, of health ministers in any way, okay? And the fact is, I think it's a shame because as a Catholic, I should. You know, it's like, there yeah. should be more out there and, and and just regular Catholics out there in America should know because of the, 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 you know, how prevalent mental illness is that we have, you know, this group that you formed and we'd love, to, we'd love for you to tell us, you know, after all this happened, like how the group itself formed. People should know about this. They should, they should know about this. Should have you on speed dial. <laughs> You know, we're trying. It's it's a new ministry. We've been at it about three years. Myself and a couple of other folks around the country have started this association about three years ago. Auxiliary Bishop John Dolan from San Diego is a chaplain, uh, who knows the uh, the the struggles of mental illness himself. Uh, you know, you always think you got it bad, and believe me, losing a child to suicide is bad. Uh, but he's lost two siblings and and a brother-in-law to suicide, and uh, so he deeply understands. Uh, 
what uh, suicide and mental illness, how it affects families and the need for the presence of the, the church and the lives of people with these things. Uh, and, and a number of other people around the country have joined in on this. Uh, yeah, it's a new ministry. We're trying to grow it. And I, I, well, not we're trying to grow it. I think I, I'll rephrase it. Uh, the Holy Spirit is, is blowing through this and uh, trying to expand this and grow this ministry. And I, and I can see that happening because I'm just a guy from Scranton. What do, you know, what am I going to do with something like this to grow a ministry like this? So, so I can see how the Holy Spirit wants this stigma and discrimination that people with mental illnesses have to deal with all the time to, to go away. We just have to get past it and be comfortable talking about it and ministering to people with these mental illnesses, but also letting them minister to us because they have a perspective on suffering and on humility and on the need for Christ in your life that many of us don't have and don't appreciate it so it's not just us ministering to them it's them bringing the love of christ and a perspective into the church in a way that uh that, that's really truly needed uh, so well, I, i'll be honest as you told that story um because i'm a father of five i mean you're a very brave man um because it's very easy to get bitter you know in life i mean things happen you know in life, I mean, to all people, but that's a tough one. Do you know what I'm saying? And you didn't. And I'll be honest with you, I admire you because you're turning something um, into something that's beautiful. And uh, God will reward you. There's no doubt about it. Well, uh, well thanks for saying that. Uh, uh, but I don't know. Uh, and I'm not being trying to fake humility here. I don't know how tough or how, how wonderful I truly am. I, I do think the the spirit gives uh, strength to people to, to enter into this ministry. Like I said, I'm not the only one doing this, and I'm not the only one that's lost a loved one to suicide. Um, it's you know, Joe, it's it's a it's an all too common way to die. It's the it's the tenth leading well, prior to COVID, it was the tenth leading cause of death in this country. Today is a typical day in the United States. About 125 or so people are going to die from suicide today. So pray for them and their families. Uh, and mental illness affects about 20% of us at any one time. And over the course of our lifetime, about half of us are gonna be affected in some way by either a mental health disorder or, or a serious mental illness. So if we're not affected by it ourselves, we're, we know we all know someone that is. Now people might not be talking about it, they might not be disclosing it to us because they're afraid we're gonna think less of them or think that they're crazy and they're gonna do something you know, that harmful or violent, which is, we can get into that, but that's not the case. Um, so, uh, yeah, the church is someplace where we can understand the reality of these illnesses and that we can, like I said earlier, we can minister it to each other and support each other as we struggle with these illnesses, um, just like we would and like we do with someone that has cancer or heart disease or hospitalized with any other physical illness. There's no reason to shy away from helping and supporting people that live with mental illnesses because these are illnesses. And that's, I think, the main thing we need to understand is that these things are illnesses. They're not a moral failing. It's not a character flaw. You don't get schizophrenia because you're not praying enough or anything like that. Uh, they're illnesses. And that's, that's the, the primary thing I think that this ministry um, tries to bring to the forefront and, and understanding this, how, how we can be more open and compassionate to people, that their illnesses, we're not judging them because they have been Sure, sure Deacon. I, no, absolutely. I oh, wish people God. understood that more. It, it bothers me so much when people like, like they point the finger at the Catholic Church, say, you know, uh, we're, ju we're just superstitious and blah, blah, blah. You hear that all the time. No, we actually do science. We do things like psychology, right. okay? How right. many priests have a background in psychiatry and psychology so that they can understand I think I don't need to tell you this, but Bishop Fulton Sheen was very involved um, in his time with with working with uh, the psychologist uh, Carl Menninger, because because the Catholic Church tries to, under, as you said, tries to understand these things, destigmatize it, which unfortunately, I don't know how mental illness could get stigmatized, but that's the way jerky people are. Okay, <laughs> when, as you said, you know, if you if this is something that physically is going on in your body, okay, so how, how should you, why would someone stigmatize that? But I'm glad you're saying that because people need to understand that the church is 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 involved in psychology and psychiatry, trying to help people with mental illness. But I want to just get back to the association for a second. So your association, the Catholic Health 
uh, mental health ministers, okay? Uh, that's what we're talking about here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network. So you provide tools, methods, insights um, that allow Catholic leaders to confidently minister to people with mental illness without any fear or prejudice. Can you, can you share with our listeners what some of those tools and resources are that your organization provides? Yeah, our main point is we're ministers. We're not psychologists or psych, uh, therapists or anything like that. We're ministers, just like grief support ministers or prison ministers or RCIA ministers. So we, uh, we provide, they can take training through the University of San Diego, an online course on how to do mental health ministry. We offer uh, other uh, courses to let them at least have a basic understanding of what these mental health conditions are. So that if someone discloses they have schizophrenia or bipolar, at least conversant, they know what it is they're, they're talking about. Uh, but, and to overcome the fear, uh, which is sadly out there. And like you said, Joe, the stigma uh, out there about mental illness and to be able to welcome people that live with these illnesses into the church, let them discuss where God is in the midst of all of this. Uh, and also just as importantly, Joe was with, for their families. I know when my daughter first had bipolar disorder, I had no one to talk to about it. I was afraid of the stigma that people would put Katie in a box and, and, uh, push her off to the side, but I had no place to go. And sadly, even in the church, Joe, I didn't have any place to go to talk about this in the church. So for example, and in, in Scranton and other places, now we have a, a spiritual support group for the parents and caregivers of people that live with a mental illness, where when your child first uh, maybe has a suicide attempt or is hospitalized in a psychiatric facility or first comes out with these mental illnesses, you need to talk to someone about this uh, and talk about where God is in the midst of this, uh, to pray together and uh, to cry together and, and basically it's almost like it's not almost it is a grief uh that you know the life that you would hope is, has changed now with things are different now that you have these illnesses so that's what this ministry does is it, it gives the people the tools the prayer resources the educational resources to be able to support people in the midst of these in the midst of these illnesses and also i will quickly add that uh, uh, a lot of the ministry is peer-led ministry so if you have schizophrenia or, or depression or whatever the illness may be uh, you have a tremendous gift to share with others when you can to say listen i'm still a good catholic i'm still praying i'm still here i'm still thriving and to support each other in, in this uh, in this ministry of leading god uh, retreats on this topic, uh, spiritual support groups on this topic, liturgical uh, uh, prayer sessions. And like, for example, St. Dimpness coming up. She's the patron for people who have a mental illness. Many people have special masses for uh, uh, around, re revolve around St. Dimpness and issues associated with mental health. So there's many things we can do in the church to just open up the, discover, uh, the discussion and uh, let people support each other in this ministry. Amen. You know, I, I want to circle back to your your personal story for a minute. I mean, I, we talk to a lot of people, Deacon Ed, um, on the show, and I marvel at how God works. Like, I really do, how he sees the depths of our heart and how he pulls stuff out of us um, and how he leads us to be truthful with you. I marvel at that. I mean, like, like you see, you've seen it in saints, uh, and you see it in people sometimes that you don't expect. And that's kind of where I'm going with this, this question. I mean, people who have mental illness are people and yes. like they have hearts and God loves them and people have to give them a chance. So many people don't do that i could recall i've i've told this story on the show uh, a man who was homeless um in my own parish he was arguably one of the kindest people i ever know knew and i'll be honest this was like at his wake um i, I mean i i don't want to like i went with my dad he died and the priest didn't know what to say so he asked people to just say something. And there was a homeless woman who came in and she said, he let me, he got a house for the winter. He took me in, in the winter. I can't even say it. Yes. Yeah, you're right, Joe. And I can tell you getting emotional about it. I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the people that live with these things are, are humble people. They know the need to be close to God. They know the need to share God's love with each other in a very humble and open way. And, and you know, many of the saints had mental illnesses. Uh, many of them did. 
and uh, we can talk about that perhaps in a few minutes if you'd like, uh, because we were just we the association uh, just recently worked with the uh, with the the Vatican News and the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network uh, on this topic, where we uh, the Pope prayed for people that live with depression. Uh, this past November was the prayer intention for the month, and and uh, I, I did write a piece on uh, on how the saints who lived with mental illnesses. So yeah, and it's the saints among us too, Joe. Just like you're talking about the fellow from your parish. Uh, yeah, God, God works through the the weak and the humble, doesn't he? And that's uh, I can tell by your uh, how you're moved by the story of this man in your neighborhood. Yeah, he used to give away. He would get like a check, and he would give it like ice, like chat with them. He would give away all his money. Yes. Like and to help people, and I used to be like daily. This is where you have to eat with this money. And he would just give it away. Right. And and like I and this is where I'm talking. I always say this. There's going to be surprises in heaven. I actually you know how they say you should name your guardian angel. I named yeah. him after Daly. Like I, <laughs> Daly Dowd is my guardian angel. And I think of him a lot because he was the best person, one of the best people I ever met like in terms of his heart, but nobody went near him. And he, and isn't that what we do to Christ? Isn't that what the world did to Christ? They pushed him aside, but there he was, and we miss him. Right, right. Yeah, it, it moves me too. And other than this ministry, I deal with people like your friend daily on a regular basis. And Yes, they. Uh, Christ is in in their lives. I think you're right. I think Christ, in in some ways, is uh, can turn everything to the good. So even these illnesses that perhaps lead them to do things that uh, they wind up in the street and homeless. But Christ can even work through those illnesses to uh, make the world a better place and to make us see things that maybe we wouldn't have seen if they weren't present in our lives. And, you know, who's got the better perspective on life? Those of us that save all our money in a nice 401k and an IRA for when they retire or someone like Daly who realizes that God will take care of them and he gets the money and he turns around and gives his money to help others. I don't know who's 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 right and who's wrong in that. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Fair enough. the judgment, of course, is important, but, uh, you know, caring for other people is important, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Deacon Ed Schoen is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Deacon Ed, within, uh, with, with the two minutes or two and a half minutes or so we have left before the uh, before we come up on the break. So the Vatican caught the attention, evidently, of uh, of what you're doing. I, I think I'm correct in that. How did uh, how did that come about? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the Holy Spirit moving. Uh, yes, that uh, uh, in this, it was it was uh, the Vatican called us, uh, called me. Uh, yeah, they. As you, as I'm Deacon, sure I got to stop you. I got to stop you. I I don't know how I re I would react if the phone rang, okay? And it and it was somebody from the Vatican. Well, well, yeah, can I speak to Joe Pasillo? I would be like, I, I, oh, the Vatican. I'm sorry, Deacon. I just. Yeah, I know. Well, these days it's an email. It wasn't literally a phone call. It was an email. Uh, so yeah, I did say to. My wife, I, I said, uh, look at this. There's, there's some guy who says he's from the bat. You know, I like everyone. I get some some emails that are a little off, and I, I, this ought to be interesting. So, uh, so I said, I sent an email back, and I said, okay, what can I do to help? And it turned out it was legit. It was for real. Uh, yeah, so it floored me. Uh, very nice people to work with, and it went. It revolved around the fact that the Pope's prayer intention for November was uh, for people that live with depression, and they were looking for some support and resources. To help, and like you said earlier in the beginning of the show, <laughs> amazingly, we're really the only one out there on, on, a, on a large scale that's uh, uh, has a ministry for people that live with mental illness and mental health. So they wound up calling us because there's really no one else to call. As crazy as that sounds, um, uh, and getting a hold of us. So uh, that's how I keep saying, well, the Holy Spirit must be moving in this. Because again, I keep saying I'm just a guy from Scranton. <laughs> you know? So, uh, so yeah, they contacted us, and like I said, very good group of people to work with, very professional. Uh, the Pope's prayer intention has been, I since learned more about it than I knew prior to this, has been around since the 1800s, a monthly prayer intention. The Popes have been doing this. This is the first one I know of uh, uh, that was focused specifically on a mental health condition, depression. And um, so the Pope uh, has, a, has a prayer intention and uh, these days now, of course, records a little uh, video and so we help them put together the video with the different images. And I love the fact that the Pope recognized the importance of good psychological care is indispensable, but so 
so is your faith, but to get uh, good uh, psychiatric and psychological care. And uh, then we had a bunch of work with them and other uh, ancillary support information on the extent of mental health problems in the world and where to go to get help. And like I was mentioning earlier, we, we did a piece of the Vatican News on saints that live with uh, mental illnesses. And I, I told my story in a, in a piece with Vatican News. So it's good to see uh, that the Pope is talking about this. He's talked about it a couple other times throughout the uh, this past year. He's brought it up in the Sunday Angelus Address. Mm -hmm. uh, he spoke before the Italian uh, Association of uh, Mental Health Professionals. Um, and called for the church to be more open and supportive. So it's it's wonderful to see that even the top, the guy at the top is, that recognizes the importance of this and is, is doing something to build up this ministry. Deacon Ed, let's take a break real quick. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we're having a great conversation with Deacon Ed Schoner. We're talking about uh, the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. This is a very important topic, and we want all you out there, particularly when you hear this on podcast, to spread it with your friends to share the podcast so it's not just in the New York metropolitan area, but you could get it out to all your friends because this is something, as Deacon Ed Schoner said, this affects us all. Everyone knows someone who's suffering. And yes, the word is suffering with mental illness. And this is a ministry that could really, really help and be a benefit to, to many people. Uh, so, uh, so stick around. We have another half hour or so with Deacon Ed Schoner. We'll be right back. Hey, listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. And brothers and sisters, we are way in the breach, and we are having a great conversation with Deacon Ed Schoner, and we were talking about the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. And uh, this is a group that Deacon Ed founded and uh, is catering to a lot of people who are, are suffering out there. Uh, so with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19, Deacon Ed. I mean, I have seen this personally. I mean, there have been a lot of people... Uh, they've been in isolation for a long time. I've even seen people triggered. I mean, like I've seen this, I work in New York City and, you know, it was, you know, people live in small apartments. They didn't go out for a long period of time um, and they're triggered by it and they're afraid to die. Right, wrong or indifferent. It's almost become like, like a neuroses. I've seen it myself with people. How has that affected your ministry? Uh, because I'm sure you've seen it as well. Yeah, we've seen the anxiety that that would be, you know, associated. I think the professionals will call that an anxiety type of disorder. So we've seen that. We've also seen, you know, anxiety and depression go hand in hand all, all too often. So people get extremely depressed and isolated, like you talked about it. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's becoming clear that we need to talk about this and and uh, if, and preach about it uh, because many of these people are still at least the Catholics are maybe they're not going out to mass they're not getting out of their their apartments or their houses but a lot of them are watching things on TV and you know so it's so I think uh, that's one way to reach people to talk to them about it and speak openly and directly about this in homilies and and prayers of the faithful and public in a public way in a public uh, 
life of the church to talk about mental illness and mental health disorders, just like we do talk about people with physical illnesses. So for example, every once in a while, I, uh, I preach on uh, mental health and mental illness and, and the effect of the coronavirus. And I tell you, it, it's the, the response when you talk about this is, is, strong, is significant. And sometimes I wouldn't, uh, maybe overwhelming might be overstating it, but it, but it certainly is a strong response that resonates with people that we need to talk about this and recognize it and reassure people that God is with them in the midst of these anxieties and, and depression, that God understands them, that God can accompany them as they start to come out of it. Um, that, that there's um, that God works through medical care and other ways to uh, to help us to get through this. But I think the main thing is like you were doing, Joe, is to recognize this and to talk about it and to reassure people that God understands what they're going through and can help them uh, uh, recover from it and and get back to the full lives they did before the before coronavirus. Because fear is real and it's a yes. tool. I mean, like. It's not, I, I mean, I'm not a professional with regard to dealing with mental illness, but fear is a tool of the devil and it's real. I mean, I could use just in terms of my own life, you know, from my job, like you fear losing it. Like, yes. like, like, you know, I have kids. That's yes. real. And fear paralyzes you. It's yes. terrifying. It wakes you up in the middle of the night. It's, yes. it's, it is, I mean, I don't know how like a mental illness professional would diagnose that, but people experience them. Now, obviously faith tempers fear, but we're human. I mean, right. like, like, you know, all people are human. And this is something I think that's, that permeates the lives of many Americans, particularly now. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things we can do is, is that recognize this fear and tell people that therapy and counseling is fine. You're not a bad Catholic. If you go to see a therapist and a counselor and talk through this fear and find out ways to deal with this fear. You know, even Pope Francis talks about how in the 70s, when he was going through some difficult periods, he went to see a psychoanalyst and a therapist to help work through this. So that would be the other more practical thing I would say is, is that as church leaders, we can say it's fine. In fact, it's actually good. It's a gift from God to find a good therapist, a good counselor to help you work through this and to be open about it. Because you know, one of the things I do spiritual direction and one of Ignatian's rules in the spiritual life, he has, he has different rules in the spiritual life. And one of them is he uses old fashioned language from the Middle Ages. And uh, he says, one of the things the devil likes to, likes to do is to keep everything in the dark. And as long as it's in the dark and it doesn't come out into the light, the devil likes that. <laughs> Uh, that it, uh, you know, we can work there. He likes to work in the dark. But if you bring these things out into the light, uh, the devil does not like light and doesn't like the uh, things like, uh, being brought into the light of Christ in particular. So I think one of the things we can do in the church is bring this out into the light, make the church an open place where people can openly talk to their pastors, their deacons, and to each other uh, in various types of groups or one-on-one -on -one and talk about these things and reflect and pray on them. And uh, the church can help people to work through this. Uh, therapy has its place, but uh, but mental health ministry also has its place of letting people know that Christ is with them in the midst of this and that, that there's a loving, supportive community that will walk with them as, as we come out of this pandemic. Deacon Ed Schoner joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. And we are having a, an important discussion. Um, and uh, we're talking about mental illness and the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Uh, Deacon Ed, before uh, I ask you another question, uh, can you tell, I'm going to ask you again at the end of the show, uh, can you tell our audience where they can find out more, uh, whether it's a website, social media, both? Where, where can people find out more about your organization? Yeah, I mean, the, we have a website. It's Catholic MHM, Catholic Mental Health Ministers, CatholicMHM.org. And you can also find us on, on Facebook. And, and it's, I, we, I think we got an Instagram account now, too. But yeah, uh, but our main resource is CatholicMHM.org is where we post a lot of resources and prayer resources, books, other sorts of things uh, to do this. The other thing we do is also uh, uh, we'll provide grants to dioceses and parishes to get this ministry off the ground, small grants, because we want at least, you know, so often people say, well, we can't start one more ministry. We don't have the money for that, et cetera. So we at least want to take money off the table. If that's a reason that's, <laughs> you're, if that's an excuse, then that's yeah. the this ministry, uh, we can at least help you get that off the table uh, and uh, get you to the point where you uh, 
uh, can get the education and other resources. Because really the reason people, for the most part, are reluctant to step into this ministry, I have found, is because they're afraid of this topic. They're, they're, they're afraid. Uh, there's all these stereotypes out there. Uh, you know, it makes a good movie plot twist to have some, you know, some, some uh, person with uh, an illness do something crazy. But, you know, 99.99% of the people that live with these illnesses uh, struggle quietly. They put masks up so that they, you don't know that they have an illness. I mean, I live with mild depression, you know, uh, until recently, I would never talk about my depression. Uh, it was just something that I was afraid people would think less of me of, or they wouldn't understand. Uh, so, uh, so, so we give people the resources to be able to talk about this stuff and to, to confidently minister to people with these illnesses. Uh, so yeah, so catholicmhm.org and we're building a network of other ministers around the country and around the world uh, where we're hearing from people from all over the world. For example, you know, right now, uh, I'm just talking about this because it came up this week, we were helping to start a ministry in Moldova. And to be honest with you, I had to look on the map to find out where Moldova was when we got the request. It's right next to Ukraine. It's the, the little country, probably everybody's starting to know where Moldova is now because they're you know, right there in the, the firing lines next, next to Ukraine. And the mental health challenges they are dealing with now because of this war is something us guys here in the U.S. can't even, we can imagine it, but we can, we've never experienced anything like this. I mean, this little country of Moldova now has hundreds of thousands of people coming over from Ukraine. Their lives have been ripped apart. Uh, these kids are in fear. Moldova itself is fearing an invasion. So can you imagine the psychological and mental health strains that people are going through in these countries and the need for the church to recognize this in these countries, that, that these, these fears and concerns are real? And it's just wonderful that the church of Moldova is, is, is in a position, maybe in a little in small ways, to, to comfort people and to, and to let them talk about these fears and anxieties that have just got to be overwhelming in the face of a situation like this see that's yeah. that's that's real fear deacon ed like that's you know when you're fearing for your life because right. because the, the the russian government just invaded right. the ukraine um right. you know that's real in america you, you you're talking about deacon ed Schoner. you're talking about mental illness obviously as you said it's something that occurs uh, you know, in the body, it's an illness, it's treatable. Okay. Um, your ministry is helping to do that. But then sometimes I think, because I think it's the, the fear, the anxiety is self-imposed where it's, where it's not just, let's say, for I say something that just, let's say, um, de developed as an illness. And what I mean by that is, or I guess what I want to ask you is how is our current culture, particularly social media, creating or, or even creating an environment where people are becoming mentally distracted mentally right. ill and again i say i say self-imposed and i don't want to sound judgmental but a lot of this stuff you know that we're going through in america particularly this fear is self-imposed whereas you want to see real fear go over to the ukraine as you said or moldova mm -hmm. all right uh, how is social media uh, contributing to, yeah, to this Yeah, I thought problem? a lot about this and talked a lot with people about this. I mean, it, yeah, you know, and it's interesting you bring that up, Joe, because in some ways, you know, what we're just talking about with, with Ukraine and with the, the pressures the so, that come with the social media and self-imposed, as you characterize it here in the U.S., they're kind of all of the same sort because there there is a... For many people, there's an underlying mental illness. There's an underlying depression. There's an underlying anxiety disorder, maybe something more serious like schizophrenia. So then you impose these other conditions on top of that, whether it be war or the social, the, the social media and cultural distortions that all of us have to live with in this country. And it just exacerbates these underlying mental health conditions. At least that's the way I look at it, is, is that maybe these things don't cause them, but... They make it worse. It make it much harder to deal with it and, um, and and to get the proper help that you need. So someone that's living, say, a teenager that's that already has an underlying pre-existing anxiety or, or depression, then all of a sudden, you know, they're seeing all this stuff posted on social media and constantly you know, hear about this that they that they can't get away from it. Everything on TikTok, always, uh, you know, something that's just there constantly. Um, so that just exacerbates their underlying illnesses and underlying mental health conditions where it just it just uh, spins it out of control for so many of these kids. And well, thank I, you for uh, making the distinction there for me. That, that's uh, that's the way I look at it. I mean, no, I think 
I wasn't thinking about it that way. I, I, I think you're right. It's not that obviously social media is the cause as much as it's it's just exacerbating the problem. It exacerbates it terribly. And, you know, you and I are a little older. We grew up in a different culture. But, you know, we we had our pressures to, uh, you know, go our own way. You know, I can think of the hippie uh, kind of philosophy that I grew up with. I'm an older guy. to be very independent. This idea that you don't need the church. You can make your own way in the world to a certain extent that, you know, it's, it's good to be independent, of course. But but to sort of walk away from the church and walk away from your support groups because you want to be your own person and come up with your own way of looking at things. Well, that causes mental health problems, too, because you've detached yourself from Christ and you've detached yourself from support. That's, you know, we see all the statistics. I'm sure you guys have covered it in your shows, uh, the de decrease in religiosity and the decrease in membership in churches. That does not help your mental health by walking away from that type of support. That does not help at all. Uh, so I think building up this ministry in the church is a way, in one way, to evangelize the culture. Because so many people are looking for that kind of help. They've walked away from the church. They don't know if the church is a place that can support them. And I, this mental health ministry is really, Joe, it's not about curing mental illness. It, it's, it's about evangelization. It's about bringing Christ into the lives of people that live with these conditions. And they are longing for that. Whether they know they're longing for it or not is another question. But they are longing I, for that. I also think, like, a lot of what we're talking about is being empathetic to people. Yes. I mean, like, this is, I think, a key to our faith. Christ said we have to love the other. And the other is not always... The person that has their act together. A good priest said this to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, Christ is very rarely found in the first pew. He's found in the back, broken and alone. And if you go to him in the back, he will take you by the hand and he will bring you to the front. This is what we're talking about. And I want to just bring it back to empathy, because sometimes something that doesn't bother you bothers someone else and it's very real to them like i'll use daily as an example he would stress out again about something that like i would never stress out about but that's very real to him so we have to be empathetic like like to that person even if to us it's not real and that's seeing god in other and when we do that we meet christ we pass him all the time. We pass Jesus all the time. I see homeless people all over New York City. I bet you 85% of them are mentally ill. They have no family. They don't take their medication and they wander the streets. Right. Sure. And you know, and every person that you see there with a mental illness or just about every one of them does have a family. I know so many people that uh, their, their child or their spouse, uh, because of their own mental illness has left and they just won't be illness. The symptoms of the illness doesn't allow them to come back and live. So when you see someone on the street, think about their family. They do have, most of them have a family that cares for them. Uh, that's so important. And, you know, you're speaking about, about people, the, real, the reality of their lives. One of the things we do in our mental health ministry is provide spiritual support groups for people that live with illnesses. And it's just this past weekend, our particular group in uh, Scranton, we had a number of people that live with schizophrenia at our support group meeting this past week. And they started talking as a group about their auditory hallucinations, you know, where they hear things, hear voices. And this is very real. They know it's not real, but it's very real. It's very real in their lives. They know the voices. They can set dis distinguish to a certain extent between what's real and what's not real. But it was so wonderful to see that they, they were able to talk to each other about this in the context of their faith, where they could sit there and uh, know that they were in a, in a non-judgmental environment and they could talk about what was happening, why it was happening, how they pray in the midst of these auditory hallucinations. So yes, you're absolutely right, Joe. These things are real to them, and Christ wants to be in the middle of it. Christ wants to be there with them in the midst of this and to bring them comfort and, and support them in the midst, midst of these illnesses because, you know, nobody else is going to talk to them about it. I, you know, I have to admit, I don't too often sit down and, and talk to a homeless person in the street and get into a deep conversation about their auditory hallucinations. But as a church, we can provide places for people to do that and to know that they're not going to be judged. Um, and, and also, like, to, to, to piggyback on that, and I don't do this by any means perfectly, let me first say that, but it's to understand our own poverty. You see, we it's very easy when you have your act together to look at someone who doesn't 
and and basically like almost like elevate yourself above that person but in essence we are all poor when it comes to god and and we will all have our exit interview with god and isaiah tells us very clearly when you reach the hand to the poor when your time comes god will reach a hand to you that's very clear and and it's also that understanding of our own brokenness and our own poverty. Like, and I, like, I miss it, to be honest with you. Christ passes me by every day. But I think the closer we get to that brokenness and that poverty that's in each of us, the more we will reach out to people who are in need, particularly the mentally ill. Yeah, there's a number of great saints that uh, dealt with mental illness. Uh, in the more modern times, St. Oscar Romero. Uh, was actually diagnosed because he lived in the 80s, uh, 70s and 80s, diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. So he had a modern psychiatric diagnosis. It's pretty much generally agreed, for example, uh, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux dealt with an anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive type of disorders herself. Her father, who was a saint, Father uh, uh, Jean, Jean Martin, uh, uh, lived with dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. In fact, around the time she was uh, taking her vows, they had a, a family, her family, this is not, these illnesses are not just individual, they're families, they're, her family had to go to Khan and work with uh, the, the authorities there to get the father, their father into a, uh, a hospital for, for dementia and other mental health related issues. So, you know, read St. Teresa Lousseau, read, read her autobiography, you can see themes running through that, the whole autobiography of her dealing with her anxiety disorders and trying to, trying to uh, be uh, present to other people in the midst of her struggles. I can go on and on about the, the saints that have lived with these these illnesses but i think what it shows us is is that god works through everything and can turn everything to the good and make it clear to us as we're as we're starting this ministry in the church that uh, uh, god has used saints who live with mental illnesses and mental health conditions to make his presence known in the world and god can overcome everything and we should not look down on people with these conditions because you know the old pogo statement you and i of the generation might know pogo they is us you know all of us deal with these things to a certain extent and uh and 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 to recognize in our lives and in the lives of people that maybe i mean even more serious illnesses Deacon Ed Jonas joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach. We're talking about the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. Um, how, Deacon Ed, has the breakdown of the family? I, 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 I would venture to say, do you agree with this? It's undeniable that the family has broken down, particularly in America. Okay, oh, sure, sure. Rampant sure. divorce yes. and, 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 and all of it. Okay, so we, we, we can, that's a conversation we'll have you back for another time, yeah. Deacon yeah. Ed. But how has that breakdown in the family, uh, uh, let, me, let me use the word you used, exacerbated the problem even more um, yeah, but- as far as mental illness on, on today's young men and women? Yeah, I mean, the, a mental illness is not an individual problem. It's a family problem. So when, so when someone gets a mental illness in your family or you're dealing with a mental illness yourself, you, the family needs to support each other. So as the family breaks down, I see so many people struggling with these illnesses on their own, you know, some better than some not doing such a great job with it because they don't have that type of support. And not having this support, as we talked about, exacerbates it. They become more anxious, more depressed. Uh, yeah, mental illness is a family is a family illness, uh, just like you've heard it, uh, you know, maybe you've heard it talk about with uh, substance abuse and alcoholism and it affects, affects the whole family and, and substance abuse is a type of illness. The same too with these other illnesses, it affects the entire family. So if you don't have a family or your family's broken down or it's split up, you're really struggling. You're really struggling. God gives us and placed us in families to support and love each other. And without a family, it just makes these things so, so much harder to deal with and, and exacerbates the problems even worse. So that's, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, Joe. The, the breakdown of the family is not helping at all in this. I remember Deacon Ed the uh, long time ago, just from just from uh, this is obviously anecdotal because it's just something that I, I saw in my life when I was a kid. Uh, my because I had members of my extended family that that suffered. They obviously were suffering from something, which in hindsight right. you say obviously they were they were mentally ill. The parents, God bless them, okay. Uh, let's say great aunts and uncles. Uh, they didn't know how to deal with it back then. 
They they, right. they, they, they just did. And that the reason why I bring it up, Deacon, that is because people need to avail themselves of your resource that you're providing. Parishes need to avail themselves of this resource because you had an excuse maybe 40 or 50 years ago. You didn't know how to deal with it. All right. Right. Um, it, but now because of the, your efforts and the efforts of many others, uh, this is a great resource. Talk about the need for, for again, the, the parents of, of children who might be suffering or the siblings of them or the daughters and sons of, of older people who might be suffering, the, the need to do this, um, you know, to, to, to come together to help people who are suffering in this way. Yes, I mean, they, that type of support is so desperately needed. And, uh, you know, they, I'm trying to think of before we, I know we'll be wrapping up here soon. And one of the things, a biblical analogy to, to dealing with this is back in Christ's day, the way I, uh, people dealt with leprosy. If you remember back in Christ's day, people didn't understand leprosy. So they would send people out to the outskirts of the town. They would, uh, you know, shuffle them off to the side and blame the leprosy on something they did wrong or either their family did wrong. So there's so much shame and stigma with leprosy. And maybe you could excuse that type of behavior, like you said back then, because they didn't understand leprosy. Thank God we understand leprosy now and people are not pushed off to the side like that. Uh, but I think there's analogies there with mental illness. 40, 50 years ago, people didn't understand mental illness. They got pushed off to the side. There was a there was a whole theory for a while that schizophrenia was caused by bad mothering, as crazy as that sounds now, but that was a prevailing theory back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. So so mothers were afraid, didn't want their kids to be diagnosed with schizophrenia because they thought that would look, you know, reflect badly on them. But yeah, people don't have those excuses anymore. And you know what Christ did with the lepers and what St. Francis did with the lepers, he reached out to them, saw past their illness and, uh, and invited them and embraced them. And I think that's what we can do now. We don't have the excuse anymore. We know mental illness and mental health conditions are not caused by the devil. And they're, and you know, they're medical conditions that can be treated, albeit there has to be much more improvement in uh, mental health treatment and, and the medicines and all the rest. That's another topic, but that it needs to be vastly improved from where it is. But what we can do in the meantime, until these better medical treatments come into place is recognize that these things are illnesses and like Christ and like St. Francis and many other saints, embrace them, bring them into the church, love them, and don't judge them. Know that what they're dealing with is, is a real illness and uh, that, that needs our, and they need our comfort and support uh, to, to live with these illnesses. You, you began the conversation by saying, like, what deacons do. They go to the outskirts. Well, that's what Christ does. You see, I think that's what we have to do. You know, the, the church cannot, you know, to use the words of Francis, as in Pope Francis, it's not sterile. Like, like, I, like, you have to go outside, and you have to extend yourself. And that puts you out. People will look at you funny. I'm sure when Christ approached the leper, his people looked at him funny, but he did right. it anyway. This is right. our job as Catholics. We're leaven. You know, like this is what we're called to do. We're not supposed to always, you know, live in the sterileness of our own life. And we have to extend ourselves. Um, and that's what you're doing, to be honest with you. And why I bring it up is I got this statistic. One in five Americans are suffering from a mental illness. That's 20% of America. Right. And, and this is why we, every Catholic has to do something every Catholic and point them in the direction of organizations like that. Cause a lot of times we need medical treatment and we can't, they can't afford it. Where, where are they going to go? One, one, before we, uh, one thing I want to bring, uh, bring up uh, is this issue of self stigmatization. Many of us deal with these illnesses and we don't want to admit it to ourselves that we have an illness. We try to, uh, either pray it away or don't acknowledge it so one thing i do want to make clear and i always start, and when i do an interview like this make this clear don't uh push your mental illness conditions under the rug and try not to deal with them in particular if you have suicidal thoughts or if you're thinking of killing yourself and this is much more common than you would think 
take that like a chest pain or you know maybe a weakness that might be an indication of a stroke view that as a medical condition if you're having those type of thoughts and go get help go see talk to a therapist talk to a psychiatrist and figure out why that's occurring and don't treat it as a character flaw or a moral failing because you're think, having suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts far too many people die by people say i never saw it coming they, they killed themselves and it came right out of the blue well for, for the person that killed themselves it probably didn't come right out of the blue but because they were probably dealing with those thoughts for a while and were ashamed that they were thinking that way. So if any of your listeners out there have any suicidal thoughts or, or things like that, don't shame yourself. Don't self-stigmatize yourself. Go get help uh, to deal with that. And, and then again, even with even less severe conditions, if you're struggling with depression, I struggled with depression for many years and I wish I had recognized it earlier. My wife, I'm sure, wishes I had recognized it earlier. Would have made her life easier if I had, had dealt with it earlier. Um, so if you're struggling with any of these mental health conditions, don't self-stigmatize yourself. They're very common, they're very prevalent, and there is, uh, like I said earlier, there is medical care out there. Lord knows it, can, it needs to get better, but it's still there. And like I always say with my daughter, Katie, you know, obviously she died by suicide and, and, and it ended sadly, but without the medical care, she wouldn't have lived the 11 years that she did with that bipolar disorder. She started her first suicide attempt was in her late teens. And I, the medical care and mental health care kept her alive a lot longer than she would have been otherwise. Just like chemotherapy. Chemotherapy doesn't cure every cancer, but it can let people live good lives for a long time. So get the, get the care you need uh, uh, and, and don't be ashamed of the fact that you're struggling with these things. Uh, there, there is help out there and, and avail yourself of it. Absolutely. Deacon Ed, where, where can people find more? We're coming up to the end of the show, 30 seconds. Where uh, can our audience find out more about you, your organization, and different resources out there available to assist in, the, in, in this issue? In this ministry, yeah, catholicmhm.org, Catholic Mental Health Ministries. If you Google us, you'll find us, because like we were talking earlier, we're kind of the only game in town right now. So if you if you Google Catholic Mental Health, we come right up on the first page in the search page. So yeah, you'll, fi you'll find us. Just Google Catholic Mental Health and you'll find us and go there and contact us. We have, uh, and, and please join our association as we try to build this ministry throughout the church. Absolutely. Beautiful thing. Deacon Ed Schoner, thank you for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we want to thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Please make sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network radio mobile app so that you have access to all of our station's content. Uh, you can give us feedback at VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, not just on Frontline with Joe and Joe, but all of our programming. Uh, and if you don't mind, follow Joe and I and help us out on social media at The Frontline TV on YouTube, The Frontline TV on YouTube, and uh, our website, TheFrontlineTV.com thefrontlinetv.com and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere we'll talk to you soon <laughs>